Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. We're happy to welcome to Brand Insider yet another executive from the Vast Bear family. Several months ago, you may recall, we interviewed CMO Patricia Corsi about some of the pioneering creative work the company has been doing internationally around women's healthcare. Today, we drill into more specific channels and tactics with Denise Vitola, who is, the, who is Bear's VP of Brand Integration, PR, Social, and Influencer Consumer Health. Denise is a veteran of PR and marketing, as well as wellness influencing. She's been on the agency side at Ogilvy and elsewhere, ran her own consultancy for brands, is herself a health coach and a social influencer. So she covers all the areas of her title, and we want to go into that in a bit. Recruiting influencers on behalf of Bayer Consumer Brands is one of her core missions. And today we want to talk a little bit about how that fits into the larger brand building picture. So hi, Denise. Where do we find you today? Hello there, Steve, and thanks so much for having me today. Um, you find me, I'd like to say, in sunny South Carolina, but uh, it's five, about five minutes ago it started pouring. So uh, really? I am still in South Carolina, but it's no it's longer not sunny. So sunny. <laughs> I want to start with your title at the very top level, uh, which encompasses three worlds, PR, social, and influencer marketing. I sometimes see two of those three combined in a title, and very often earned and paid media don't usually intermingle all that well traditionally in, in brand operations. Was this a title uh, invented for your specific talents, or does it reflect a philosophy at Bear for integrating those disciplines? Yeah, I think it, it says I'm an overachiever. <laughs> uh, it says that uh, it was written specifically for me. So I guess it gives me some job security because uh, good luck trying to find somebody that does all three things as well, right? But um, taking all the jokes aside, really what it does mean is, you know, I started my career in PR and you mentioned Ogilvy and that was one of my earlier days. Um, and where, you know, if I tell you the year, you'd be like, you were doing influencer back then. But quite honestly, it was in the early 2000s and we were doing work for TJ Axe or TJ Maxx Marshalls and Home Goods and those fabulous brands we all visit. Mm -hmm. um, and we we were doing a lot of influencer stuff and a lot of breakthrough influencer stuff. And, you know, as I said, I was I was on the PR team. So as my career started to evolve, I started noticing more and more how PR and influencer and social channels, all these things started intersecting together. And when you put them together, it was working even more magnificently. So, you know, let's, uh, you know, think about a campaign where we are, you know, have a fabulous PR idea, but we also integrate influencer into that, that are promoting our awesome campaign. And all of that is magic is, is being um, created into content for social media. You put all of those sums together and it's the greatest campaign ever. Um, that's really reaching the consumer in various touch points. And that's what it becomes is like the consumer journey. We're going to take each step with that consumer, no matter where they show up, and they're going to see the work that we're doing. Well, let's let's drill into an example of that at work, because you're going even beyond that at Bear with a number of products that you're actually using these channels to launch. 
which is very different from the usual CPG approach, which is throw a zillion dollars at every major media you can find to try to build a brand from the ground up. But instead, you've launched a number of brands organically and socially uh, and through influencer marketing. Could you maybe, uh, let's make this a little concrete. Is there an example you could you could give us of a brand uh, and how you actually built a brand starting with these social and influencer channels? Yeah, I, I would love to. And I would love to talk about um, the launch of a recent product, uh, which, which happened in June, in, in early July. Alka-Seltzer came out with a product called Hangover. So, you know, imagine that for people my age, that's like a, a gift from God <laughs> because you don't bounce back the same way you do when maybe you're in your 20s, right? Well, you so, might say you it's know. finally truth. It's truth in marketing in, in the sense that it's what it's what everybody knew the thing was for. And we're finally saying it. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, when you're thinking about that type of product and when you're thinking about where to reach consumers and how consumers have developed their appetite for, you know, media and we think about launching this product. So, you know, we with Alka-Seltzer have our classic jingle, plop, plop, this is, everybody's heard it. Uh, whether you're, you know, in your 60s or in your 20s, you know, you've heard this jingle. And we wanted to take the opportunity in launching this new product, Hangover, and pairing it with, um, you know, a popular uh, musician to remake our jingle. Mm-hmm. You know, so we took a look at several people and landed on T-Pain for very various reasons, you know, he's very hot right now. Um, and he has songs, uh, you know, let me buy you a drink. He's written cocktail recipe books. So he made a lot of sense to us. Um, you know, so we brought him in uh, to remake the jingle and do it in such a way that it was content for social media and content influencers can use. All whilst, um, you know, going out to earned media for a PR campaign to have T-Pain talking about what he's doing on social media to launch this, right? So you see it all coming together. So that's happening. And then we have T-Pain has recreated the jingle. We have behind the scenes video. He's posting this content to his social channels. He's creating duet videos. He's asking people to dance to the video. Um, On TikTok, he actually passes the new product over to the the influencer and the influencer takes it, dances to the new jingle and pretends to pass it on to somebody else. That somebody else is somebody who's going to take that content and now duet it, you know, and then, you know, when you think about, okay, so all of that's happening. So how does social come in on it? You know, we're populating our social channels with all of this content and supporting it with paid. So that's like, you know, let's say the fire's going, right? We got the fire going with everything I just told you. Now, we're going to fan those flames with the paid media. And that's really where the magic starts to happen is, you know, everyone now with the paid media side of it, we can specifically target those people we think that are going to use and want this product the most. And then we see sort of virality happen and it starts to pick up and then it becomes a big thing on TikTok. And, you know, we're doing uh, Twitter programs where we're having, um, you know, drones deliver, um, product to, you know, people that are, you know, hashtag hangover. So we're surprised and delighting people. And it becomes like a, like, almost like a, like a social takeover, if you will. I wanted to ask then about, uh, well, so there are a few things that come out of that. First of all, in this case, you had a base brand that everybody knew and a jingle everybody knew. So it's not like you were creating a brand out of whole cloth. 
Um, and you also had a powerful celebrity who was recognizable and had his own social following. So that could be a key driver of all these channels, including, you know, PR and earned media plus, you know, plus the social, the social piece. Um, is that one of the things that makes this work is do you need that sort of either that tie in to an established brand and or a tie in to a known celebrity to drive this? Or does it happen in a different way? Is it possible really to brand to, to create a whole new brand without those key elements that are sort of have a built in audience and a built in driver? Yeah, I think it's always great to have um, somebody who is relevant. It doesn't have to be a celebrity, you know, um, just somebody that resonates with the audience. And I think because we wanted to remake the jingle to make it more modern and fresh because this product's more modern and fresh, uh, you know, it made sense in this idea, but I wouldn't say rinse and repeat. So I wouldn't take this and say, okay, let's get that celebrity. Let's, you know, because it doesn't always work, but it does, it, it does in certain instances. So I don't want to uh, you know, disregard it either. But I will challenge a little bit on the, the, the you know, 100-year-old brand and people mm -hmm. know it. That also could be an Achilles heel, mm -hmm. you know, because when we're trying to target millennials or now we're going all going after the Gen Z consumer, eh, brands like that could seem old and not mm -hmm. in touch. So, you know, what are those new brands that are coming out? Is there like, you know, some, you know, kombucha or some crazy thing I could get mm. off the shelf? Where's my, where's my patch? Where's my get patch? rid of my, right. exactly, hangover. Right. So, you know, when we think about that, you know, yes, our brands are iconic, every one of them, mm -hmm. but are we relevant today? Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you're building brand using a lot of uh, organic and influencer marketing, and then you're also bringing in some of the more familiar channels of press and PR outreach, how do those coordinate and how do you time them? Do you build organic and influencer energy before you bring in the press or vice versa? I'm curious that as we have these new elements now in brand building, how you time a campaign like this and who comes in where and where you build the energy first? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because, you know, what you're saying is so true that traditionally we were doing one thing or the next thing and that's how we were approaching, you know, um, product launches and campaign launches and things along those lines. But, you know, what's happening now is we have all of these levers to pull and we're able to actually um, do many things. And like I was saying before, reach the consumer in various places of where they're at across their consumer journey and so on and so forth. And now what we're faced with really is um, how do we launch it like you're saying? And, you know, really it's, it's you can have a phased approach, but I find that, you know, pulling all triggers at the same time is really just raising the volume on the campaign that you're launching, right? So. If you're going to launch everything all at once, you have more of an opportunity for the consumer to see it wherever they're at. So, you know, best best practices is certainly to launch everything at the same time um, mm -hmm. and let the let let everything boil the ocean at the same time. How do you explain the role of influencers uh, to, to traditional media teams and creatives and brand directors? Uh, what don't those disciplines fully appreciate or fully understand about their place in the economy of brand building? Um, you know, influencers, you know, 
have been around for a really long time, but you know, the use of influencers hasn't necessarily been um, one of the sort of brand levers that people are pulling. And convincing them, you know, it takes a lot. It really does, you know, letting people know that there's an opportunity to work with brands and work with influencers together in a way to tell a story in a passionate way, in a truthful way, in a relevant way, you know, you really have to prove out the metrics. Like, you know, do a couple test and learn campaigns, show the value of influencers, show how it works. And then from, and then really honestly take it from there, you know, because it's going to prove out itself if you're executing in the appropriate way, you know, using them across various channels, using them in e-com, using their content and, you know, evaluating them based on their purpose and where they're meeting on the brand in the same place. So uh, now that you're, uh, that you have all of these other channels uh, at work, especially the influencers and and organic messaging, uh, but you're also moving forward into some of the more traditional press outreach. Uh, how do those coordinate? Do you think uh, in terms of how you phase or time those two pieces? Do you build up some sort of momentum either from the press side or the social side before you introduce the other? I'm curious about how this new mix of brand building impacts just the ways in which you phase a campaign. Yeah, you know, it's a great question and often something that a lot of people are thinking about because, you know, uh, years ago, there weren't as many levers to pull, right? So we would launch something and, you know, maybe we put out a press release and, you know, call up some media and and there were just the recipe was with less ingredients. Mm -hmm. And now you have something with much more ingredients and all these activations that you can... um, tools that you can pull upon. And what I'm finding though, is launching everything together as a full holistic campaign is really the biggest opportunity because you're more likely to reach the consumer wherever they are because consumers can be anywhere, right? So they'll see the campaign, whether it be on social media, through an influencer um, or elsewhere. And it's just what I call turning up the volume. So instead of, you know, a slow sort of start, you are turning up the volume and you're, you know, raising it up so much that the consumer's bound to see everything that you're doing. How do you, I'm still, I'm really interested in this mixed media and especially old and new and how they really blend together. And then internally within a brand, how you talk within uh, within your own company about these to one another. So when you're talking to those traditional media types and teams or the creative teams or the brand directors, how do you explain to them the role of influencers and the relationship between influencers and what they do? Yeah, I, you know, there's, that's almost like two parts there, you know, times will continue to evolve. Um, Things will continure to happen in society. Pop culture will continue to happen. And if we don't listen to the environment that surrounds sound that's out there and adapting our style and how we reach the consumer, we're going to be irrelevant. And, you know, I was, I was telling a story recently to someone when I was uh, you know, talking about influencers and using them as part of the marketing mix. And I said, listen, we don't want to show up and be Radio Shack. You know, we want to show up and be um, that online store that, you know, all of like Gen Z is going to. 
because that's where we're going to reach our consumers. We're no longer that traditional space. So, you know, like anything else, if you don't pivot and change, you become irrelevant. And, you know, that's the first part of it. So, you know, even after COVID, the way that consumers shop, we're adapting the way that we're reaching consumers through shoppable media. So that's also very different. So that's answering the first part of like, you can't stay traditional because the traditional is irrelevant. So when, you know, you apply that and you think of that, okay, so if traditional is irrelevant, I'm going to insert influencers because influencers are going to make an impact in a very different way. They're strangers that are friends. So, you know, when you're flipping through your social channels and, consumers are doing this and they're following influencers. They're following influencers because they like them, they like the information they're getting and they trust them. So, you know, you're going to have an influencer talking about your product to an audience that trusts them. And that's one part about it. But the second part about it is you can do a lot of different things with influencers. You don't have to just have them talk about your products. You could take that content and use it in other places, in other marketing channels, Mm -hmm. you know, and when you do those things, you prove them out through measurement. um, And then you can report back to your organization and say, you know, hey, the proof is there. The metrics are paying off. And this is why we should be using influencers. Uh, this somehow ties into this this phrase that I've been hearing more and more of, and I've, I hear it from Bear as well, is, is moving towards wanting to build a lifestyle brand. What's the, what is a lifestyle brand and how is it distinct from sort of the more commodity approach that a lot of the uh, health and wellness categories are, are, are part of? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, like, um, it, and, and it's 100% true that, um, you know, whatever type of product you are, you want to be a lifestyle brand because that it's in the word. You're part of a consumer's lifestyle when you're a lifestyle brand. So when I started working in the OTC category and health and wellness a long time ago, somebody said to me, and I thought this advice was so incredible that no matter what you do and no matter how you think about these products, think about them as CPG products. So consumer packaged goods, right? Mm -hmm. Think of them that way, because at the end of the day, what you're selling is a consumer product. So whether it's an OTC product, whether it's a beauty product or otherwise, think about it as a consumable for a consumer. And that really, to me, Steve, is, is, is what you're saying, like lifestyle brands. So, you know, we are thinking about our products as a way in which we serve our consumer's lifestyle. So, you know, if a consumer has a certain way in which they're living their lives, how do our products make their lives better? How do our products complete their life and enhance their lifestyle? That's a lifestyle brand. Okay. Well, then this sort of segues into my final question, which has to do with creative execution, because to some degree, if you're uh, wanting your brand to be part of someone's life and lifestyle, then to some degree, that means also better understanding what their life is like and the realities of it in a more candid way. And I'm starting to see this more and more. And and from Bear in particular, most health-related CPGs have followed a tradition of creative that I might call clinical and careful, 
Uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious about what seems to be a greater candor among health in some of Bayer's programs, especially, and even product development. So for instance, the, the Ver Vagina Academy, I spoke with Patricia about um, a couple of months ago. And I know that there's been an initiative about how to discuss periods in some yep. of the products. And, and that's actually become a topic of the, of the content and the advertising. And I saw another campaign around Alka-Seltzer hangover relief. Right. What change are we seeing here, both in the industry and among consumers? Uh, and does that sort of segue into this topic of being a lifestyle brand? Yeah, I do think there's a convergence there. And, you know, you've got to follow the lead of the consumer. And I'll say that again, because that's really what's going on here for anybody. Follow the lead of the consumer. And the best companies with the best understanding of their consumer have the most creative programs, have the most successful programs, and are doing the best work. So, you know, we're not the only company that's talking about um, taboo topics in a more profound way. You know, I was watching TV last night and insert vitamin brand uh, probiotic mm. and women are sitting on the toilet and being like, yes, women poop. Mm. This is a commercial in the middle of a football game I'm watching. Mm. So, you know, would that have happened when I was in my teens? Heck no, but it's happening today because let me go back to, I said, follow the lead of the consumer. So, you know, if you take a look at the because now with social media, everything's on the table. Mm. So you have everyone talking about everything. No topic is taboo. You know, consumers want transparency. They want to uh, to hear it directly. That's how they talk to each other. And that's what's going on out there. So, you know, it's that we're capturing, you know, the, 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 the subject matter from the consumer and saying, okay, if you want to hear it like that, we're going to create programs that reach you in this way. Uh, yeah, so the, to the end of the end of euphemisms and uh, <laughs> correct. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without and, a doubt, and maybe a lot more creativity. Well, uh, Denise Vitola, uh, Bears VP of, of Brand Integration, PR, and Social Influencer. Thank you so much for uh, bringing us inside the confluence of all of these different disciplines. I think obviously we're going to see more of it. We really appreciate your time today. Yeah, and I appreciate uh, talking to you, Steve, and thank you so much, um, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks for hitting play on Media Post Brand Insider Podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at Steve at MediaPost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there. <laughs>